Hello, and welcome to episode 11 of The Turning Years. I'm your host, Paul, and I'm here with a man who might not be able to skateboard, but he's still a dynamic dude. This is Dave. Hey, Dave, how you doing? I'm all right, Paul. Good to see you again. Good to see you. It's been a while. It has, huh? It's been a, uh, it's been a while since we've uh, convened around this table to talk about the wonderful company of WCW in the year 1989. And uh, what a show we have for you this week. WrestleWar 89. Yes. Music City Showdown. We're going to talk to you about all the matches, all the big deals that went on, and tell you what we think about it, basically. WrestleWar 89, Music City Showdown, took place, obviously, in Nashville, Tennessee, the Music City, in front of 5,200 people at the Nashville, Tennessee Municipal Auditorium. I can never say the word municipal very easily. Well done, though. Yeah, it's one of those words that makes you go blah, 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 blah. not a lot of people there. No, it is not a lot of people. Uh, Today it holds around nine, ten thousand, so about half full. If Yeah. I mean, it doesn't doesn't look full. No. Either, so. It's a hockey stadium, if I'm Yeah, I've I've seen some good shows at hockey stadiums, though. Yeah. We saw British Uprising 3 at a hockey stadium. Yeah, hockey stadiums are great. Yeah, and you like hockey. At least I do. have a passing interest in hockey. <laughs> yeah, but I believe the buy rate for this was 1.3. Yeah, 1.3. They estimated, what, about 120,000 people. It's not good. It's not good. I, I, you know, by now people are starting to get cable and stuff and pay-per-view is becoming a bit more... I mean, we've we've said before, like, oh, that, that's a pretty good number considering the amount of people that must have had cable. But I can't, I can't run it out and say this is a massive success for the company. No. The part of it might be due to the fact that the card is very similar to the last card we had. Yes, the um, Clash of Champions game before there were a lot of repeat matches, well, even the, if they're slightly different. Yeah, there is a there is a problem with this card, most definitely. You know, George Scott's booking this. Yeah, and uh, his philosophy was, you don't want to damage the house shows, so he he doesn't advertise the card doesn't get advertised very heavily at all. Because you want people, you want to draw people to the house shows rather than make them wait for the pay. He has he hasn't realised that the industry has changed, so he is still building for come out on Tuesday and see the wrestling. Whereas they should be building for our pay per view is the end of this month. Yeah. You are going to buy our pay per view. See the good guy, get revenge on the bad guy, rather yeah. than rather than hey, it'll happen tonight at the fairgrounds or or wherever they are. Yeah. So it's a bit of an antiquated look at. Look at what's going on and our opening contest. Well, we have um, the national anthem being sung. This is the second show in a row. Yes. Is it second? Yes. Yes. We've had the national anthem. We had it played last time rather than now sung. It's sung. Yeah, it's sung by the Oak Ridge Boys. I thought they were all right. They're good singers. They seem to have not decided on what style they want to go with. You yeah. see it in comedy shows where boys start a boy band and they've all got different ideas of what the band's going to look like. Yeah. And that's kind of what the Oak Ridge Boys were like to me. Yeah, I can totally see that. As we said before, it's not something we get unless it's a football game. No. I've never been to a wrestling show and had them make us stand up for... Well, not even make us stand up. You know, the moment the anthem starts playing... People it, were quiet and stand up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I thought they did a good job. I've I've seen... Many, many bad renditions of a song before a wrestling pay-per-view. Uh, thank you, WrestleManias. I mean, that might be America the Beautiful, which is only only song in place of the National Anthem because Vince thinks that's a, more, that's a better song. 
well, he had Lillian Garcia, and any time she did it, it seemed to be great, and then he'd bring in somebody else, and it just didn't. Yeah, but like, you, there have been some good ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, Rocky and Robin at WrestleMania 5 might not have been great. My personal favourite's uh, WrestleMania 14 with the DX band, because they do a terrible job, and the crowd let them know. And uh, But there have been some good ones. It's not culturally, it's not something I get, and I'm not here to have a go at people who, who you know, especially American culture is quite different. So I'm not here to be like, oh, you're all idiots for doing the anthem. That's, it's just a thing for me where I'm like, get on with the show. All right, shall we then? Let's get on with the show. Our first match is Doug Gilbert replacing Junkyard Doug. Who, who they advertise just before. Yeah. On commentary, Jim Ross says, here comes the Junkyard Doc. It's going to be Junkyard Dog versus Great Muta. No, um, they advertise it on a finger. I think you might be misremembering. They've got the advert. Yeah, the, like, this, they, this they, show they, we're going to have. Down, they, run, that's, that's yeah. it. they run down the show. They run down the show and it's like, the Great Muta versus Junkyard Dog and then we get to it and it's just uh, for unforeseen circumstances beyond our control, Junkyard Dog will not be appearing. Yeah. It's Doug Gilbert instead. Yes, Junkyard Dog plays Sir Not Appearing at this pay-per-view. Doug Gilbert is the son, uh, brother. Sorry. Yes, he's the brother <laughs> of Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert, who we've seen before. Who we've seen before, and we'll see again. Uh, yeah, bit in this show, and he's against Muta, who is great. There is nothing. Yeah, else. the great Muta is an apt name because yeah. he is doing things in this contest. Um, it's pretty. It's a glorified squash. Well. In the first time we saw Muta, he faced Steve Casey. Yes. And Casey charged at him, and Muta sprayed him with the mist straight away. Yes. This time, Gilbert charges at him and gets kicked in the face for it, yeah. essentially. I can certainly see why the great Muta got this reputation immediately. He looks like a star, portrays himself like nothing else in the company. You've got, you know, the evil Grange Hill teacher... Gary Hart, yes. he's got the beard back now. So, so, so now, now you he's more Satanist again yes, these days. Yeah, so. I was going to say. So you're more in favour of that then, Dave? Definitely, beards rule. Everybody knows it. <laughs> Hashtag beards rule. It's pretty much a like I said, it's a glorified squash match. Yeah. But the difference with Muta's matches is you're so captivated by the way Muta moves, by the moves Muta does, that it doesn't feel. Like you're just watching it because most of the TV at this time is squash matches. You do not expect a pay per view to open with a squash match, but you're not upset that it does because it's Muta. Yeah. Muta's different. Well, Eddie Gilbert comes out to support his brother about halfway through this match. Yeah. It's not a long match. No. Muta actually does the spot where he goes for the moonsault, but Doug moves, so he lands on his feet. Yeah. Which leads to him kicking Doug a couple more times and then hitting the moonsault. I love that moonsault. Uh, yeah, you can certainly see why Keiji Muto's knees are powder right now. <laughs> Legend as he is, his knees have been powder for a very long time. And those rings have no give, there is no bounce. It is not like a modern ring. So yeah, you can certainly see like, oh my god, that would have hurt really badly and you're just not selling it fair enough. But yeah, the moonsault, I mean, I the first time I really saw a moonsault was around 94 with the one two three kid beating Razor Ramon. I think mine um, slightly earlier. I think '93 Rumble. Um, I have a feeling Owen Hart did one. 
Really? In a match against the Orient Express. I have no memory of that. But, again, it's around the same sort of time. Like, Muta made it popular. Was a lot, yeah. It was (laughs) years before. Yeah. uh, Before it was popularised and has just become another move in modern wrestling. Not to harp on about, you know, modern wrestling misusing stuff, but, like, it's devastating here. It's the finish. After the match, I'm not quite sure what happens. When I watched, I didn't quite catch it. But he blows red mist rather than the green mist he blew at the beginning of, during his ceremonial stuff. And the commentators make a big fuss about this. Red mist burns. He blew the red mist. Like, Earlier on, he blew the green mist. They haven't got into the details of what the different mists do yet. Yeah, the, I, I believe it's uh, blue mist will make you fall asleep. Black mist will blind you. Red mist burns. Huh. And green mist is just obscure your vision. I believe. If I remember my mist flavour chart, I believe that's how it goes. Well, we'll see what happens with the mists. Yeah. Uh, it all comes down to what food Dai could buy that day, I suppose. Shh, shh, so, yeah, Muta wins. Decent little match. Nothing massively Nothing special. It, it wasn't important, but I, I still view every every time Muta comes out to be special. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I was just like, sweet, it's the great Muta. But yeah, no, I, I nothing matters. More of a more to set up um, Dog Gilbert being angry at the Great Moose, I think. Well, I think we might be going towards Eddie Gilbert. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. Eddie Gilbert. <laughs> oh, God. It's going to be one of those shows, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, we move on from that to an interview segment where we've got Lance Russell. Yes. Uh, Memphis, Le- Memphis wrestling commentator. Yeah. Lance Russell. You almost said legendary and you're not far. I was going to say, well. I wouldn't be wrong there either. Nah. He is responsible for getting Jerry Lawler into wrestling. So, so yeah, he's interviewing Ric Flair. And this is a very different flair to what we've seen. Like, he's still very energetic, but he's babyface. I was going to say, this is a babyface promo. Yeah. he's. I respect Steamboat. You know, he's a great competitor. He's the best man I've ever faced. He calls him the best wrestler in the world. Well, he's the world champion, so yeah. there you go. But he does end it with, but to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I fully intend on becoming the man tonight. Uh, so yes, uh, our main event will be Ric Flair. You say main event? It's still our main event. Uh, yeah. It might not go on last. It's <laughs> still the fair. main event. Yeah. <laughs> Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat. A second match. Again, it feels a bit like a TV match to me. Yeah. Because we've got Butch Reed. Versus Ranger Ross. Oh, Ranger Ross. Ranger Ross is a weird... Ranger Ross, as you might be able to get from the name, is not a park ranger. He's an army ranger. It's the military gimmick. He's he's not guarding people's picnic baskets. Picnic baskets, (laughs) no. Uh, (laughs) That's exactly what I think of every time I hear Ranger Ross. He's Yogi Bear, which is really worrying. But he's in the military gimmick, and at least it's something. It's something, but uh, again, it is a TV match. Is this WCW trying to be more like WWF, having a soldier gimmick? Yeah, I'd I'd argue yes. I don't think Ranger Ranger Ross does it badly. Well, he's legitimately yeah. They they found unlike Sergeant Slaughter and unlike Corporal. Actually, I don't I'm not sure about Corporal Kirshner. But we, as as has come out recently, Slaughter was not so, in the army. Sergeant Slaughter was apparently never in the army, but took credit for being in the army and in Vietnam for many years. So, uh, oops, stolen honor and all that kind of thing. Not thing to be joking about, and certainly not a thing that you should make a career of. So at least WCW got a legitimate army ranger to do this this gig. Yeah, 
And he looks good. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised Vince didn't try and game at some point, if he didn't. Cause... You've already got Sarge, or you've had Sarge. You've yeah. you've done that. And, or, or, or you've, at this point, did it, is Kirshner still around in 89? I don't think so. No. He didn't last too long. I don't think he was well-liked. Sarge doesn't come back for another year, however. He's been on a bit of a hiatus. But you've had... Well, he, he left for the G.I. Joe gig, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you've had him, you've had him, and as much as I've just said, like, you know, Sarge wasn't wasn't real yeah he felt more real than ranger ross and he's a better wrestler than ranger ross so why go for a pay limitation when you're pretty sure you can phone sides and slaughter back up and get him i don't think he was bad got a very nice drop kick yes i think he reached his ceiling with this gimmick i think this is as far as he was going to get which is fair enough yeah so during this match the commentators go what's he doing here who's why is teddy long here now we discussed on the last show teddy long was fired yep Teddy Long has got himself a visitor's pass. I like that. I like that detail. Yeah, he's got the visitor's pass, and he's coming down to ringside. He's dressed like an ice cream man. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Nothing's going to change that. He's dressed like an ice cream. It's man. true. It is true. What a gimmick that would have been. Ice cream man, Teddy Long. Instead, of, instead of little chimes, you get uh, you, holla holla. <laughs> yeah, and he's scouting the match essentially. Yeah. He, yeah, uh, they try and act like he, they don't know what he's doing, but it's pretty obvious he's taking a look at the talent. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get to the manager years of Theodore oh, well, Long. We are going to cover all of WCW. Yes. So, yes, <laughs> we will get to the manager years of Teddy Long Enterprises. This is a, much of a match. The commentators focus a lot on Butch Reed cheating despite not needing to because he's a big guy. He's got a rear chin lock on and he's using the ropes. Yeah. It's one of the worst looking use of the ropes I've seen. Yeah, he gets to the bottom rope. Yeah. And it's like, that's barely any leverage. What the hell are you doing? It's stupid. Yeah. You're like, it's it's like, cheat. If you're going to cheat, at least cheat well. Yeah. At least cheat so the people in the back row can see it. Well, his feet are quite big. So when he puts his leg over the bottom rope, his foot seems to still be touching <laughs> the, the apron. Yeah. yeah. Well, not the floor, the apron. You're all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 almost comedic, and I can't tell if Butch Reed can't be bothered, which is possible, or if he thinks this Ranger Ross is a bit green, so he's going to take it easy on him. But this is very much a TV match. This is on TV. I wouldn't have a problem with it. But this is pay per view. Uh, they're trying to get over this character. They should have put him with someone better than Butch Reed. Yeah. Well, the big problem comes from the fact Butch Reed wins the match. Of course. Shoulder block off the top and Butch Reed wins. Yeah, I do I do like the shoulder block off the top I've got no problem with. It always looks good. Yeah. Because Butch Reed is massive. But he's the kind of massive that's realistic. You know, he's a realist he's not like the Ultimate Warrior, he's not like Hulk Hogan. He's just a big dude. He's not ripped, he's just a big guy. So the shoulder block I've got no problem with, but if you're trying to get over this he's a former army ranger and all this stuff. Why are you having him lose? It's dodgy booking at this time, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So we go from Butchered winning his match to an interview. This one is again with Lance Russell. It's Lex Luger talking about his upcoming match for the US title with Michael PSAs. Yeah, this is one of Luger's better interviews. I actually think it's the best one we've seen. I've got that note written just as that. Where it first started is Luger. And it's kind of like... It's, Dull, essentially. Yeah, Luger has all the flash and pizzazz of a tax inspector when he first starts. 
He always strikes me as a guy who's trying to be a pro wrestler rather than just being a pro wrestler. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, he always seems terrified of doing an interview, but this one, uh, you know, Michael P.S. Hayes has turned his back and joined uh, Hiro Matsuta. Yes. Which is one of the weirder pairings to have come out of this. Now, Michael Hayes has been saying that he can beat Lex Luger. He doesn't need any help off anybody ever. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's got himself a heel manager. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. he's obviously you can. And to be fair, that's that's easy Heath. Some might say cheapy, but to be honest, Michael Hayes needs all the help he can get. I am rather worried about a match featuring a guy I don't think is a good wrestler against a guy I think he's a terrible wrestler. So I guess we'll see that in a little while. Yeah, we'll get there. From that, we go into a bull rope match. Speaking of terrible, so this is two second generation superstars, as JR tells us. Dick Murdoch, the son of Frank Murdoch, yep. and Bob Orton Jr., although he's only called Bob Orton here, and he's with Gary Hart, and he is the son of Bob Orton Sr., the brother of Barry O, and the father of Randall Keith Orton. Who some might know as Randy Orton. Yeah. <laughs> I always liked um, the cowboy. I always liked Orton. I thought he was great as Ace Bob Orton. Roddy Piper's bodyguard. I think he has a presence. I think he's very good in the ring. I've never really cared about... Dick Murdoch? Murdoch. I've never really cared about Murdoch. But, uh, but yeah, this this is a bull rope match. They actually had a match before this that was on the last pay-per-view that was cut out of our broadcast. Yeah, it was a few seconds long. Yes. So, this terrific blood feud apparently needs two pay-per-views for a start. Well, it was a clash of champions last time. Oh, yeah. Two, two, two big two, shows. Two big shows is more yeah. than saying. I just don't understand. I no. don't understand why they're like... I mean, it's 89, and don't get me wrong, these guys have got their place, but they look old. I mean, they are pretty old, you know what I mean? Well, saying they're second generation superstars, if you look at the next generation of Bob Orton, Randy Orton, yeah. how great does he look? Oh, Randy Orton's a mate... I, I'm not a fan of Randy Orton, but Randy Orton's... The look is... He's got a tremendous look. Yeah. And annoyingly, he's one of the best in-ring performers going. Now, Bob Orton Sr. was more built like Randy than he is Bob Orton Jr. Yeah. And Dick Murdoch's father, Frank Murdoch, was better built than Dick Murdoch. The generations, the 80s, they obviously, second generation, didn't give a damn. No. Um, don't like I said. Don't get me wrong. But I think Cowboy Bob, Bob Orton, yeah, is very good in the ring. It's just in this match, he's obviously he's reaching the end of his career. I mean, he goes on for quite some time after this, but this should have been the time when he realised maybe I need to bow out a little. Do you think the same for Dick Murdoch? I've got a better physique than Dick Murdoch, and I'm drinking beer right now. 1996 was the last match I know I saw him. That's in. the Rumble. That's the Rumble. And I think he went on for a while after that. Yeah, and don't be wrong, I'm not all about physique. And maybe I just don't get. I obviously don't get the guy's connection to the fans. I haven't seen his body of work. But this ball rope match is a disaster. Why is it a ball rope match? I mean, I get it. There's the cowboy and the redneck. Yeah. But, like, don't. It's Dick Murdoch's speciality match. But we've not seen enough. To... Yeah, if that match before and once has been explained and to once, us, and once again, I, you know, I, I haven't been watching all of the TV no. because there is a lot of squash content and that's that stuff. The problem is, I'm watching World Championship Wrestling, 
which is what it's 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 labelled on on the network. But there are also other shows such as NWA Power Hour, which is not on the network. And I know later on things get changed to WCW Saturday Night. Once it gets to Saturday Night, I think I'll be able to follow it more easily because Power Hour doesn't contain anything else. Even if I was watching all the WCW shows at this point, I'd still be missing Power Hour. So they refer to Dick Murdoch, who's got a name of Captain Redneck. Yes. Now, looking at him in that shirt, he's wearing a normal crew cut t-shirt. He's got no neck. (laughs) How can they call him Redneck? They can't see a neck. I can't see a neck. He's a potato. Captain Potato. Or Captain No Neck, maybe. Captain No Neck. I prefer Captain Potato. (laughs) Captain Potato. (laughs) Yeah, um, the match sucks. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't really want to waste too much time on it. Uh, There's an interesting spot, I suppose, where Murdoch takes off his boot. And starts using it as a boxing glove. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that was straight out of the Terry Funk playbook. But yeah. to be fair, Terry Funk probably stole stuff like that from Dick Murdoch. So, Well, they came up together, didn't they? Yeah. Um, Frank Murdoch worked with Dory Senior. Yeah. And then all the boys came up together through West Texas State. Yeah. Even though Dick Murdoch never went there. No, he. Um, I'm pretty sure there are some. there are some football stories where he ended up sort of on the team despite the fact he never went there he went to like alumni functions and things afterwards yeah says, uh, never went to West Texas State Murdoch wins with a pin after hogtying Bob Orton at which point Gary Hart comes in and starts stomping on Murdoch while the referee gets Orton loose and then they get the rope and hang Murdoch from the ring. Yeah, there's a quite brutal hanging spot. It's like, yeah. where did this come from? What has been going on? You know, maybe I should be going back and watching all this stuff, but I can't see how you're not supposed to do stuff like this on TV at this time. We Dusty Rose lost his job because of stuff like this. So I can't see a massive blood feud being built up on TV. So this just sort of comes out of nowhere. This feels like these guys are names. Let's use them. Yeah. I mean, there really isn't much much to say about the match. No, no. It's plodding. They fall over each other. It's clumsy. I mean, which is, at a certain point is what you want a brawl to be. You don't want it to look like. But I find it dull. I really didn't like it at all. So we'll move on from that, shall we? Yeah. To another interview segment. This time, doing what he's good at. It's Michael P.S. Hayes. He's been interviewed again by Lance Russell, not Bob Coddle, as Jr. says. Considering Bob Coddle is sitting next to him, you'd think he'd have thought, figured this out. Jarrett's given up. Quite clearly. So, yeah, Hayes saying he's going to do it on his own. He doesn't yeah, need the free birds. Doesn't need the free birds. Doesn't, he's going to do everything on his, on his own. He's, he's good enough to beat Lex Luger. Because this is for the US title? It's for the US title? Yes. He's been a tag specialist for years, but he's never shown how good he is as a single. He's never shown how, quote-unquote, good he is as a single. Yeah, he won't ever show how good he is as a single. No. Oh, I think I think that's the problem. I think he does show how good he is as a single. <laughs> it's what he's capable um, of. <laughs> and, and I don't... Uh, I've heard for years, a long time, about how good Michael Hayes is on the, on the microphone. I don't think so. It's, it's the thing he's best at. I think he's all right. And I'm sure when he's got an ang- like a, a, a big angle to get into, like I'm sure him with the Von Erichs, he was, he was better than this. But he just feels like he's on autopilot here. You know, I, I, I don't get it. I get the Freebird gimmick. I love the Freebird gimmick. I love Southern Rock, even. 
I get that. I actually really like the the bad dubbing over of Freebird that they're doing on the WWE Network to the point where I tried to find the terrible dub because I'm like, that's a really cool little riff and intro. But like, I don't get Michael Hayes. Does it come out to Bad Street on this one? He he may well, but when it's yeah. the Freebirds, when it's the Freebirds, he comes out to. Yeah. But that's yet to come. So yeah. Nothing much to say from this. It's just carrying on with what Luger had said. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the correct thing to do. You've given the babyface a chance to say something, give the heel, especially when it's the heel's strongest suit. Yeah. How do you think about his interviews? Because I'm, I, I don't want to sit here and be like, I think he's bad. Done. It's it's all right. He's, yeah. He's not the best in the world. Or... You know, when when people are like, he's amazing on the microphone. I think Jake Roberts. I think Ric Flair. I, yeah. When somebody tells me someone's great on the microphone, that's the standard. Roddy Piper. I do wonder though, is this the lack of something in his system. Was he great on the microphone because he was coked up or... Oh, possibly, possibly. I mean, you know, I've seen a few of his a few of his uh, WCCW interviews and there is definitely some urgency there, shall we say. Yeah. But that being said, I doubt everyone's clean here. <laughs> <laughs> so, next match. They're here. They're our boys. Yes. We've got... The Dynamic Dudes. Oh, the Dynamic Dudes. Versus the Samoan SWAT team. Oh. The SST. Oh, God. I repeat. Oh, God. What did we do, Dave? What did the fans of 1989 do to deserve the Dynamic Dudes? Well, it's further Jim Hurd and probably George Scott trying to get on the WWF bandwagon. Yes. They're the rockers. They're meant to be. They're meant to be the rockers. Don't say they're the rockers. <laughs> they're the, the WCW equivalent of the rockers. Jesus. You and I are better but you and I are better versions of the rockers than these guys. We could I'm sure you could lift me up for an attempted drop kick or something. <laughs> Keep an eye on Discord, maybe we'll get a video <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> no, no no we won't. I'll put that out there right now. We'll try a double fist drop or something. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the Dynamic Dudes carrying their skateboards all the way to the ring. Carrying their skateboards. That says it all. It's a, it's a, there is a, it's a literal ramp. And they don't skateboard. And you don't skateboard down it. Darby Allen skateboards down it. I've got no problem with Darby Allen coming out with a skateboard because he bloody uses it. They're in essentially shell suit type attire. Oh, yeah, they look like they're about to attend SummerSlam 92, to be fair. Because everyone in that team shell suits, because that was a, that was big in the time, but they really do look like they're about to they look like they're about to look to the camera and say the British Bulldog's going to win whether he wants to or not. <laughs> yeah, and then they do something creepy, don't they? Yeah, they they pick up this kid out of the crowd, and the kid looks terrified. I, I was thinking more about the attire under the shell suits. Oh God, yeah, they 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 disrobe. Stripper style. Yes. We had the Fantastics who looked like strippers, and now we've got some actual... Sh- and what's with the... I don't get their tights or their, their trunks. They're just, it doesn't look cool. You know, it's it's just about to become the 90s. Put them in neon. Yeah. Put them in neon clothes. Like the, the warrior wears neon. He looks amazing. You're going to regret saying that, because I think they come out in neon eventually. And... Oh, yeah, but like... <laughs> They still do the thing where they rip this. They've got these tight little sh- trunks on, and it just looks weird. Am I the only one whose the outfit reminds him of Saved by the Bell? 
the intro to Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. That's a good comparison, actually, Dave. <laughs> oh God, oh, they're fucking terrible. No, I think that might be the first time I've sworn in this podcast. Maybe I don't think it's the first time I have, and it probably won't be the last. They are fucking awful. So, uh, Paul, well, I say they're terrible. Johnny Ace is terrible. Yeah, Johnny Ace is awful. Poor Shane Douglas. Shane Douglas is all right. He's green. Yeah, but he's all right. He shouldn't be in the. He shouldn't be cast as a role of our rockers. Yeah. But if you'd have made him like our Paul Roma, or something like that, I think he'd have done all right. Yeah, rather than having two guys in their mid to late twenties, Johnny Ace is a lot closer to thirty than he is. Yeah, and 18. he looks. He, well, he looks forty. What am I talking about? Yeah. Pretending to be young and hip and with it. And he's. I tell you one thing. This does. This does make me appreciate how big Johnny Ace is. He's huge. a big dude. I never appreciated that when he was GM of Raw because of the suit and all that. Yeah, but you can see that he's brother of road warrior animal like he you know he's a big guy and he's trying to play a high flying baby face if he'd be putting a tag team as a heel i could have probably because yeah i'm gonna move as well as you as well as let's get to the match because i'll just i'll just rant well before the match we've got the introduction of the swat team by paulie dangerously and he may as well say my name is paul he put he does the brock lesnar intro yeah it's great this is the team that beat and destroyed the Midnight Express and got rid of them. Yeah. Continuing the feud with Jim Cornette. And also, that's something Jim Cornette's been doing for years now, doing the introduction of his own team. It's a direct take on it. It's And it's a good one. Rubbing the salt into the wound. And it's really well done. So we've got Samu and Fatu here. Yeah. It's two savage guys who are calmed by hearing someone on the phone. Yes. Yes, I, 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 that's got to be Seeker or Afa, or who knows. Captain Lou, maybe? <laughs> if they could have got Captain Lou, I've no doubt they would have done. That's the thing. <laughs> but he, he, no, he wasn't employed by then. He wasn't employed by WWE in 89, was he? No, I think he'd gone. He by that I'm surprised they didn't try and get him. Maybe they did. Maybe he didn't want to do it. True, true. Now, in the crowd, we're going back to Grand Chill again. There's a guy who looks like Zamo from Grand Chill in the crowd. Oh, God. Just say no, Zamo. Oh, uh, I'm not. See, this is weird because we we do have US listeners. So, Grange Hill, <laughs> Grange Hill is a program about a school uh, in the UK, and I I always found Grange Hill to be real, real boring. It was like a soap for kids. It's exactly what it is. Only it's if you want go back and watch it, because it's seventies into the eighties. It's very dodgy. Of course. Because, uh, but they did do a very successful Just Say No to Drugs campaign. Yeah. They came out with a song. I think it got... Did it chart? It charted, yeah. Yeah. So... And it all features around this character, Zamo. Yeah. Who gets hooked on heroin. Heroin as well. Not like... <laughs> yeah, it's... They go... <laughs> proper train spotting style. They not, go full out on it. Yeah. Not tried a bit of cocaine. No, no. Straight on, straight on the black tie heroin. Why not? But yeah, uh, you are right now. I can't believe you picked that out because I, I miss that. But anyway, this is just stopping us talking about the dudes. And I want to stop talking about the dudes, so let's get on with it. Match. The dudes actually start off quick. They do the rocker spot, as I see. The wrist lock with a tag 
uh, axe handle, yeah. a wrist lock, a tag, an axe handle. Shane Douglas has a drop kick, and it's amazing. Yeah, he's he's good. He's not great. You see, I still think of Shane Douglas as the guy I saw in the late nineties, early two thousands. Oh dear. Yeah. So, so looking him young, it's just kind of like he was very talented. All of all, all, the only thing I've got for him now is tremendous pity. No wonder he was so pissed off as the franchise in ECW. This was the yeah. hand he was dealt. <laughs> then he got put into WWF and got that terrible Dean Douglas gimmick. He must have been so. Uh, pun intended disenfranchised that, that Paul was just like just say what you want yeah we'll, we'll work this yeah but he got terrible gimmick after terrible gimmick after terrible gimmick after terrible gimmick it was awful and I think he's pretty good here I think he'd have a better match on his own against the Samoan SWAT team he is the stronger of the members of the team in terms of every little aspect, though. The Simone SWAT team eventually take over on Johnny, and they're beating down on Johnny. And Shane is on the apron, and he looks like he wants to get in there. He's, he's pacing up and down, he's jumping up and down, trying to get Johnny's attention, trying to get the tag. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's Johnny Ace. Johnny Ace, who at one point gets too close to his own corner, and he's not supposed to be there. He's doing the crawling spot for the hot tag. I'm waiting for someone to cut him off. But he's got there too quick. It's obvious he's got there too quick. So he cuts himself off. He literally reaches out the hand and then nothing happens. He's too close. It's very, very obvious, at least to me. I've seen... Maybe maybe it wouldn't be so obvious I haven't been recently watching like FTR and the Midnight Express. Damn, this guy sucks. Um, I He cuts him... He cuts himself off from his own hot tag because he's he's in the wrong position, and yeah, maybe some of that could be blamed on the Samoan SWAT team, but they're they're busy doing character work. They're like you know, doing savage stuff, and rather than thinking, oh, they're working, I'll lie down here and and roll about in agony. He crawls for the hot tag and gets there too quick. Right now, I've made a note in this match because it's happened quite a lot over the recent shows. Whoever's picking the shots. There's something creepy about them because they keep on going to the crowd onto young women, some of whom look far too young for my liking. So look at the pretty ladies in the crowd. They've, they've been told to find women in the crowd, and that's been a thing since we started watching this promotion. Yeah, but yeah, I see what you mean. They, they, they... So she's got braces, dude. So... <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit, and I wouldn't have a problem with it because WWE do that all the time and try and try and look for kids, but it's a kids-based promotion. Yeah, it's based on you know families, and the other half of the time they're looking at women. It's so that the male audience can be like, "She's hot," and that's really obvious. Yeah, it's just kind of are they when it's kind of a teenage girl, have they been like, "Oh, focusing on that girl, she's pretty," and they're focused in and then realised. That's what I think happened. There's a new director in town as well for this show. I was doing a bit of background research, and I've said they're trying to be WWF. You remember the videos you got in the 80s for, like, the British Bulldogs, the best of, and yes. things? The director of those videos is the director of this show. Yes, I believe I believe, I believe believe he directed some of the early Manias as well, didn't he? He directed quite a bit for WWF, yeah. Yeah. And then now he's directing for WCW, I mean, and he will do for a good long while. It's a smart move because their production has not been where it needs to be. Yeah. And all due respect to WCW, 
I don't think it ever really gets there. They're always blown out of the water, which they should never be. They're a TV company. They're backed by a billionaire. How does Vince's product look so much better than yours? Because it's all he focuses on is the product. True, true. But yeah, it's it's a very distracting thing. But it is better. It has been terrible the couple of shows before this. Yeah, it's getting slightly better. But I think during the past two matches where nothing much has happened, the cameraman's been wondering. Yeah, like I said, they've been told to do that. Yeah. They have definitely been told to do that. We have the hard head... The hard head gimmick. The hard head gimmick. Which is weird because they don't, they don't really portray the Samoan SWAT team as massive savages, do no, they? No, it's not what they will become. It's not like the head shrinkers, which is what they, they end up being. Yeah. But um, they get their heads rammed together and they no-sell it. I, I like the Samoan SWAT team. I think they're a good team. I'd like to see them against some other teams that aren't the dynamic dudes. Then again, I'd like to see anyone that isn't the dynamic dudes. For example, can you imagine if you took this gimmick off Shane Douglas and stuck him in the Varsity Club? I think he'd do better there. Because that's basically the gimmick he ends up with. True. That's the franchise gimmick. Maybe he's too green. I think I think that's it. They've got a good-looking young guy, as they see it. Yeah. And they're going to put him in a team that resembles a team of young-looking good guys on the other show. Because they're really popular and they're going to do this. Yeah, the the rockers are really popular. It's such a bonehead move because the commentary is so transparently trying to get them over. They're constantly on about how good they are, how great a team they are, how how much upside they've got, and they are terrible. Well, they do all the proper uh, things they, that young people do. They skateboard. No, they, they don't sk- skateboard, Dave. They ski, they do this, that, and the other. I don't believe they do any of that because they don't skateboard. <laughs> So, we have a point where Johnny is crawling on the ground, and Paul Lee's obviously spots the crowd are losing interest. So, he gets on the mic, and he says that Johnny is just like the women in Nashville, and he's useless. Yes. And instant heat. Instant heat. And now, Johnny is the best thing in the world to this crowd. Yes. Because they want him to get up and beat up Paul Lee dangerously. And fair play to Paul Lee, because... I think I would have fallen asleep watching this. I'd have been just pissed off. But again, you've, he's the most experienced guy in the match. I mean, the Samoan SWAT team are, are experienced in ring. Yeah. But you know, he spots that the crowd losing interest. I think the Samoan SWAT team might have switched it up and changed things and maybe turned it into a massive brawl. But you can't do that with people as inexperienced. You can't suddenly decide, oh, we're doing this now. You should be able to. But I would not have faith in the dudes to do that but you are right it does get the crowd back on side I'll stop trying to rant on the dudes because we don't have three days so we have the end of the match hot tag to Shane yeah correct decision Shane does three beautiful drop kicks then gets cut off by the SWAT team yeah I was really worried about this there's a big splash Johnny saves Shane as the referee is getting Samu out of the ring Fatu has Shane in a slamming position and Johnny illegally drop kicks his own partner, causing him to hit Samu and a one-two-three. They try a lot of double-team moves in this, and they screw up all of them, apart from that one. And I've always thought that that, that move was dumb anyway. Yeah. Is it fair to say Dude Mania has been born? Yes, the dudes are here. 
the spot I referred to, to earlier where they go to the crowd to find a kid, isn't it? Uh, they bring the kid out of the crowd and the kid looks like he does not want to be there. It's amazing. Imagine if if you're a WWF fan, if you imagine if the, the bushwhackers had licked a kid's head and the kid had just been like, oh, oh, get I, I think I would have done if uh, <laughs> some creepy old man had licked my head. Yeah, over. but you never saw that on TV. Did no. you? It was never like, oh. But yeah, this this kid looks really, he looks scared. He looks disinterested. He, uh, they put one of their hats on him and God, it makes the kid look stupid, much less the grown man. I mean, I I I, I owned a lot of like weird neon tracksuity stuff in the in the early nineties and stuff. You know, I wasn't choosing my own clothes at the time because I was quite young. But God, dude, Mania's here, and I can't wait for it to run wild and then be over forever. <laughs> so yeah, the dudes have won their first match that we've seen. That them we've in. seen them in, and we now move on to an interview. This time, it's. The three judges, yes, for the main event, Ric yeah. Blair versus Ricky Steamboat. So we have Luthes, former yeah. world champion, Pat O'Connor, former world champion, former world champion, Terry Funk, former, former world, world champion. champion, and I think they do a pretty damn good job. I think Luthes is very straight. He's very straight laced. He comes across as a sporting event. Uh, Pat O'Connor's a little weaker, but he says the same kind of thing. Like, I'm going to call it right down the middle. This is for the big, this is for the world's title. And then it gets to Funk. Funk is awesome. Yeah, he puts it over. Talks about how what a pleasure it's going to be. How he can't wait for the match. How the last two matches were, were great. I think it was brilliant. It's a great piece of work. You know, the first two, it's generational. It's It shows how long the belt's been around. I think using the judges' gimmick for this match, when the other two matches have been long and, and the last match was contested because of Ric Flair's shoulder coming up, I think it's a good deal. And I can't wait for the match. What's your thoughts on it? I love this interview. Because they basically go through, oh, I'll be looking for X, Y, and Z, and I'll be looking for this. Yeah, I'll... And yeah, and then you say Funk steps in. It's just kind of, this is going to be a great match. So they've had good matches. This is going to be the best of them yet. Or yeah, whatever he says. And basically, basically, I've seen two of the greatest matches I've ever yeah. seen, and now I get to be a judge for a match I expect to be the greatest match I've ever seen. Well, he was the commentator for the previous one, wasn't yes. he? So. And he was a good commentator, which is yeah. one of the reasons I'm like, yes, get get Funk on the mic. Yes. And now we move on to a match that you don't want to talk about. I'm sure. So, Let's get it over with. The best part of the match is the Bad Street USA playing. That's a, that's a good tune. Yeah. And then we have the US title match between Lex Luger and Michael Hayes. Yeah. Can't versus won't. I'm not, I'm not sure who. Like, when you get there and Luger's the better of the two, I've been pretty hard on Luger. But Luger's, tr- Luger's trying. And Hayes, Hayes is doing what he does. And what what he does isn't... I think my problem is I'm trying to reconcile his reputation with what he actually is. They don't, to me, they don't match up. You know what I mean? He's he's a top executive right now and has been for years in the world's largest wrestling promotion, based on this reputation. And when it comes to in ring, I've seen far better workers, far better storytellers that have never got that opportunity. So, <laughs> no. no. When the match, when they're coming down, Michael Hayes comes down first. He does his 
Flanting or whatever. He's the challenger. He's the challenger. And here comes the champ. He's got four guys jogging alongside him as he walks. Yeah. Now, I know Goldberg got the big security entrance, yeah. but they left him at the ramp. To, these guys, they're probably our sort of five, like yeah. five eight to five nine. Luger is huge compared to them. Yeah, Luger looks... To be fair, it works. Luger looks like a giant. Yeah. Luger looks incredible. Luger's still got his kind of mulleted mop top, which is a hairstyle I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about bringing back. I'd uh, pay to see it. <laughs> Luger looks really good, and I've been, to be fair, earlier when I was like, can't versus won't, that's harsh. Luger's, Luger's all right, and Luger, Luger's, Luger's a star. Yeah. Luger's a legitimate top star. He's just come off a feud with Flair. He's the US champion, which is the second belt. It's their version of the Intercontinental. And I think he looks okay. He does. He does pretty well. He needs to be working with experienced people, like Flair. Uh, is Muta experienced enough? No, Muta's quite. This is this is why I'm so impressed by Muta. Muta's quite green here. The thing that gets him over is his athleticism, which is moves you've never seen before, and it's Gary Hart. He basically tells tells Muta, from my understanding, stand there. And I will do everything to make you look like a badass. And it works. Because it worked with the Great Kabuki in World Class just before. Right. How much of this match do we want to cover? I've got a few notes. I will listen to all of your notes. Because you are a good analyst. So, it's back and forth to start with. Michael Hayes actually takes the lead to start with. But then Luger powers out and takes over. Love headlocks, that kind of thing. To their credit, they keep it simple. They keep it simple. Hayes gets back in control again by using a thumb to the eye and then a bulldog. And then rear chin lock. That goes on forever. Or it feels like I have a birthday yeah. during his rear chin and lock. And then we have Luger powering out of it because he's Lex Luger. He's super strong. And the crowd get with the crowd get with Lex, to be fair. Yeah. Which leads to another cheap shot and Hayes taking over again. Yeah. Um, I think what you needed to do... Especially because of the finish that's coming up. Yeah. Luger should have just destroyed him. Well, we get there eventually. Um, Hayes goes to run Luger's head into the turnbuckle. It's, Stopped. It's blocked and reversed. And then we have three military presses in a row. Yes. The third one, he threatens to throw Hayes f- from where he is to the outside to the commentator's table. And he could do it. And Bob Cuddle and JL go, don't throw him here. As if he might do it. Yeah. But he's a baby face, so he turns and slams him in the ring because he doesn't want to lose. Yeah, because over the top rope, if you throw someone over the top rope in WCW or the NWA, that is an automatic disqualification. So Luger does the call, gets the torch rack, but Michael Hayes is slippery, spins out and DDTs. Yeah, which which is his finish. Yes. They kind of both fall to the floor. Well, I say both fall to the floor. Luger falls to the floor and kind of brings himself parallel to the ropes. Yes, it's it's very ob- it's very obvious obvious there is a there is a something coming there is something coming up. Yeah, Michael Hayes is leaning on the ropes. Yeah, and here comes the man who wasn't going to ever help him. Bam, bam, Terry Gordy. And this is the worst finish I think we've seen yet, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's hilariously bad. There is a count. We have a push first. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh god. Terry Gordy pushes Michael Hayes off the ropes. Pushes Ma- yeah, Michael Hayes is exhausted leaning on the ropes. Yeah. Terry Gordy pushes him onto the prone Lex Luger. Who puts his foot on the rope. Who puts his foot on the ropes. Gordy does the best work at this point and knocks his foot off the rope. Yes. And then Luger does it again and Luger, Gordy Luger has to blat- come back. Luger blatantly thinks the cameras haven't caught it even though the cameras are right there. Yeah, yeah. Puts the foot back on so he has to do it again. Yeah. And then... The referee counts to three. Yeah, and your new US champion... Is Michael. Is Michael PSAs. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all of... I blanked on that push. That push is hilarious. Because he doesn't do, give it any real force. No, it's just kind of like... It's like, I've given you a stronger hog when I saw you today than than that push is. I could have... Blo- like, phew, phew, that would have been it. Yeah, if you're going to have someone like Gordy interfere... Hold the legs down of Luger or something. Or have the referee distracted by... Yep. Matsuta on the other side of the ring and Gordy actually hits Luger, maybe? Yep, like... Because I think Gordy's awesome. I love I love Gordy's look. I love the way he, he works from what I've seen him with work. I even love his kind of not great promos. He's not got good promos, but it works for him. And to think you've given the second top belt in the company to Michael Hayes, to Michael, Michael Hayes who is the worst worker of your team. So, yeah, new US champ. Big moment. Should feel bigger, but I mean, he's turned heel. I just don't like Michael Hayes. How are you feeling about him? Uh, I don't even have like, you know, I love a good heel. I'd, I'd love to be like Michael Hayes. He's great. I, f- I hate him. He's got such good interviews. He's he's good in the ring. He cheats when he can, and he does cheat when he can cheat. But all his stuff is basic stuff, and yeah, f- fine. But you should be a manager for your team. Yeah. I kind of caught the end of his WCW run previously, and I was. I oh, will get there. We'll get there, thankfully. Well, look, look at what it. Look at what happens in WF. He when he he starts as an as a guy advertising the, the shop, Doc Hendricks as a color commentator, and he latched himself onto the Hardy Boys as quick as he could. Michael Hayes in the skin tight t shirts. Yeah. And he was trying to tell them, like he was trying to tell them what he thought was cool, and that's why they they got rid of him because he was trying to change their act to be like the Freebirds because he wanted to wrestle again. I mean, fair enough. Like people obviously respect you in WWF, but I haven't seen. And yeah, I've obviously missed your the hottest period. We've not seen WCCW, at least I haven't. No, it's a promotion I would like to see more of, but I don't get it. And I hope I will. I hope at some point I'm like, oh, there's the. There's the great match, but right now I'm like, eh, whatever. Right, shall we move on to the next? Please segment? do, because again, this is that's two segments in a row where I was like, nah, 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 nah. so we have an interview with Sting, the real man, oh. and not William Regal. So Sting, being insane, yes. talking very fast, very energetic. Not a lot said really. No, he's um, Sting is not a great interview. No, he's not a great interview. It's a good interview. He gets his character over. But I still think there's some hesitancy. There is, there is definitely some fear in those eyes when he looks into that camera. So the next match. The next match. Sting defending his TV title against the Iron Sheik. Yes. Is this the biggest mistake Jim Hurd and George Scott made getting the Iron Sheik in? It's a big mistake considering what happens. 
but I can see the logic. It's the ideas is still a name. It's still a name. He launched Hulkamania, beating the Iron Sheik, made Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Yes, but this is Iron Sheik when he was a world champion, which yeah. he insists the commentator, the ring and hand success. Yeah, Iron Sheik makes him say that he's he he he's a former world champion. I don't think the NWA or WCW would have been very happy about that because I don't believe at this point they acknowledge anybody's anybody else's belts or, or title reigns. <laughs> but I can, I can definitely see the logic of bringing in the Sheik to lose to Sting. Spoilers for this match. It's comedic in how bad this is. Now they've teamed Sheik up with Rip Morgan. Yes, Rip Morgan. I don't get what... I get that the Sheik needs a flag waver and... Rip Morgan has some experience in that, having done it for the yes. sheep herders. But I don't understand, like, Rip Morgan's seven foot, yeah? Mm. Have Sting beat Rip Morgan? He did. <laughs> True. Dark match on the previous show. Yeah. How did do it on TV? Well, to be fair, he, he could have done it on Taylor. Yeah. I'm just saying, the Sheik at this point is more of a liability than an asset. It's a very... Basic match full of all the shortcuts you can think of. Flag shots. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Sheik struggles to get his robe off at one point. Sting aids him and uses it to choke the <laughs> Sheik out. Yeah. It's it's a... it's The thing is, it's a bad match. But I don't care that it's a bad match. Like, I see why they did it. It didn't work. They should have known it wasn't going to work. But I will take any excuse to see Sting that I can. Yeah, It was mercifully short as well. Yes, um, it wasn't very... The reason I'm misremembering spots and things is just like... It was just a bit of... It wasn't a brawl. No. But it was chaotic. Yeah. Here, there and everywhere until all of a sudden... Sting a splash, Scorpion Deathlock, Sting wins. Yes. Done. Yes. Uh, pain, quick and pain... It wasn't painful. It wasn't like the dudes match where it went on too long, or the Luger match, or the Luger match where your where your star lost to a guy that I don't consider a star. So yeah, anything that gets Sting a win, anything that gets Sting on TV, I'm down with. So we move on to another interview segment. To be fair, like if this is how you're going to do it, this is how you do it. There's a lot of them, but they're pacing it well. Like it's match interview. It's not like modern wrestling where half the show's interviews and promos. And all. This is essentially how I book TAW. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A match and an angle. <laughs> yeah. Until I'm done. So we have Ricky Steamboat being interviewed. One of his better interviews. Yeah. We said about Luger earlier. And this is, I think it's because he's able to be Ricky Steamboat a bit more. He's yeah. able to say, Ric Flair is one of the greatest guys I've ever faced with. Had some great matches. So I've known him a long time. That kind of thing. And it's all true in his mind. Yeah, of course it is. And when there's truth in there... It's easy. It's easy, yeah. And it's like knowing the answer to a quiz show. So if you know the answer, it's easy. Yeah. If it's real, you don't have to think. If it's real, you don't have to worry you're going to forget something. You just say it. Still, not an amazing interview. Don't get me wrong. I've given it all the praise I can. It's a very basic interview. It's safe. Definitely his best interview we've seen. That's not saying a lot, Dave. <laughs> no. I love Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat is one of my favourite wrestlers. But... You've got to see him in the ring. <laughs> I, we'll, go, we'll, go, we'll go back to 
to when I made you watch his debut and you were like, oh, Ricky Steamboat's here. Ricky Steamboat's one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. And I was like, thank God he is because he sucks on the mic. And then we... <laughs> a good interview, nothing really to write home about. No memorable line. So we have the main event of the evening. Even though we've got a couple of matches. The after. main event. But I love that. We'll get onto, we'll get onto what happens after. Yeah. So we have Flair's ent- entrance. Coming down the hallway. Now they say 40 women lining the hallway. Yeah, there are 10. Yeah, it's nowhere near 40. If it was 40, it would look like what that John Cena entrance where everyone dressed up as John Cena. Yeah. In one of the manias, I think it was 24 maybe, something like that. And then he's got six personal ones, Flair, here. Woo. Because he's got the prettiest ladies of all with him. And it's baby face face flare he's wearing baby blue at this at this point he's not technically a baby face no the crowd are cheering him but you can't not cheer the guy after the last two matches we've seen him in yeah it's not like the previous two matches where he wore black compared to steamboat's white the one time yeah and red compared to steamboat's green the other yeah he's wearing baby blue he's uh, he knows which direction this is going in yeah he knows the crowd love him, so he's going to wear baby face colours. Yeah, this is, I believe, this is the outfit that was present on the Galoob Pro Wrestling Ric Flair figure that was the w- it's the, it's the WCW equivalent of the Hasbro figures from the early 90s. Those solid things yeah, that if those... you threw them at someone, they kill them. Yes, uh, and I hated those figures as a kid, and the, and the more that I... If if you watch Ministry of Slam, uh, Lawrence has a few of them behind him on the set. So um, I hate those figures as a kid because you couldn't do much with them. But now it's like actually pretty awesome to have to have a collection of those just to have them on a shelf. Well, the best thing about them was they all came with belts. Yeah, but the, the WWF you could only when I was a kid get the world title with the, with the ring. Yeah, so it's just how. I want an intercontinental champion, so I've got a belt. I can make that an intercontinental yeah. champion. I've got tag titles then as well. Yeah, and to be fair, that, that those belts were always the same belt. It was always yeah. a plastic WCW scored on it, but it was cool to have the option. I never had a Ric Flair action figure. I think they did a few colours, but the one yeah. I had was this baby blue colour. I never had a Ric Flair. I never had a Wicked Dragon Steamboat there's this, action figure either. There's this, I, had, I had the Hasbro Steamboat. The, the, the dragon. dragon. Um, it's pretty funny because one of the Survivor Series, just not to get too far off topic or anything, one of the Survivor Series is what they call the Hasbro show because all the, all the outfits, what the Hasbro figures ended up being in. So it's like they, it's like they got the toy makers to watch this one show and just made the toys from that. Luckily, everyone looked awesome. So, but yeah, yeah, baby blue. I do apologise for taking on a, a wild wrestling figure tangent, Dave. No, it's not. It's interesting stuff. So yeah, Rick Flair makes his entrance and is cheered. Rich, Ricky Steamboat comes out. The crowd go a bit quieter. Yeah, as he leads his young son out on a pony. Yeah, it's dressed as a cowboy. I thought he looked cute. I'm not gonna. That kid looks cute, but don't. It's it's exploitation. It feels exploitative. Yeah. Stop it! You're one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. Well, I I saw him dressed as a cowboy, and immediately the commentators corrected my thought. 
he's not just a cowboy. He's a rhinestone cowboy. Because that helps. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a little guitar. Like, I get it. I get that you want to be the family man. I don't think that's a good gimmick. But even if, even if you were going to do it, don't do it like this. Have interviews in your home, surrounded by your family. Don't bring your kid out to the ring dressed as a dragon or dressed as a cowboy. Because it feels like you're exploiting your child for your own benefit. And it's very, very weird from someone who I I believe in, in actual real life seems to be a really cool dude. Yeah, um, from what I've heard through interviews, this is all Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. But again, we've said that before. I'm just yeah. to point, that's, that's, we don't know anything. That's alleged stuff. Yeah. But it seems reasonable that maybe she wants to be a star. Well... If you notice, she's wearing a matching dress to the rhinestone cowboys outfit, yeah. it's like the red, shiny stuff. And... I get the idea. It's just that's a crutch. You don't... Ricky Steamboat of all people does not need to lean on. He's the world's champion. Hug your kid backstage, give your wife a kiss, and then set out to to be the best wrestler in the world. Yeah. Come to the ring alone, and then when you come back victorious. With a belt over your shoulder, have a big hug, and you'll still be the family man. But <laughs> instead, this poor kid, Richie, Richie Steamboat? Richie, yeah. Uh, this poor kid has photos and a lasting memory of... Remember that time we dressed you up as a giant lizard because you don't look like a dragon at all? Or Well, Richie worked for NXT. He was going to yeah, be a big star, but he got injured. Back injury like his dad. Yeah, imagine if he'd have made it to this point. When they do the documentary going back, it's kind of... Richie Steamboat was a fan of wrestling right from the start. Yeah. It's not even that. Can you imagine heels? Heels would have had a field day. Look at at him. Look at him dressed in that stupid outfit. Oh, if you... Imagine going to the early 2000s if you had something like that. You'd have the midget coming dressed as the Rhinestone Cable. It's Richie Steamboat, everybody. Oh, I think you mean small person. Small person. I'll let you, I'll let you get away with the, the, the use of that word because wrestling has predominantly used that word. But I think you mean small person, Dave, don't you? I do indeed. <laughs> A small human being. Yes. Right. So, crowd aren't really into Ricky's entrance, but that's nothing new. No. He has to work. He has to work to overcome this angle, this, this presentation, every time he's in the ring. So, we then have the... Judges introduced again. This is Lou Fez, Pat O'Connor, and Terry Funk and the crowd. Yeah. Cheer them all. And Terry Funk, one of only two brothers to hold the NWA title. Now, he was brought in, from what I understand from his autobiography, to be part of the booking committee. Yes. And they kind of like, went, oh, well, you could do this while you're here. Yeah. And, my God, it works. That's uh, more than just hardcore. By Terry Funk. A great book. So, this is the first time we've heard JR say it tonight. And I think the only time we get to hear him say it. This is the NWA and we wrestle. Although, at the beginning of the show, there's someone holding a sign that says, This is the NWA and we wrestle. I'm going to say that's a plant. You reckon that's a plant? It wasn't a very good sign. There's definitely a plant. If it's working, it's working. Hmm. I mean, I get it. Because the WWE don't... When you look at WWF, the wrestling secondary. Yeah, it's the sizzle, not the steak. Yeah, it's it, and I'm not disparaging WWF. Like 
they got some good wrestling on there. They got you got Bret Hart, you got you know, you got the Hart Foundation, you got the Brain Brosses at the moment, who I know you miss. I do, um Arn and Tully come back boys. Ah, <laughs> But um yeah, a very strange I mean they got they must if if it's not a plant, they got it over with someone. That's the angle they're going for. We wrestle here. And then you've got the dynamic dudes. So pick one. Which side are you on? Are you going to be like Vince? Or are you going to be a wrestling company? Well, we'll have more of our dynamic bit. <laughs> so, again, I think this is... the Well, it's the third time we've seen this particular... Yes. This is the... This is the third time we've seen this match. Yeah. But I won't say this match because their matches, we said on the last show, the two out of three falls was three matches, essentially. Yeah. The, each one's different. This is the third time we've seen this lineup of a main event. Yeah. I've got no complaints because the last two were amazing. It becomes a thing, though, very often with me and these matches with Flair, where I don't have a lot of notes because I'm just there enjoying the match. That's where I come in. Yeah, these three matches. I'll talk. I've got to me. I've got to talk about these things as a whole. At this point, with this third match, I have to talk about this trilogy as a whole. And there is an old there was an old thing that Flair says that they had in their earlier feud. They had matches better than this every night for weeks on end that were just never on TV because. It was like the 70s. What I want to know is how. <laughs> how did you have matches better than this, Rick? These matches are awesome. Uh, this match in particular I love because of the judges. I love the gimmick because it works. Because after every you know, five to seven minutes or whatever, you get a little update from... From Bob Cardle saying, Oh, the judges just handed me their scorecards for this point. And at this point, Flair's in the lead with Terry Funk. And O'Connor's got Steamboat in the lead, for example. Yeah. And that's the gimmick of the match. And this crowd are conditioned to think this match is going an hour and it's going to all rest on the judges. And it's brilliant because. You keep getting these updates. The judge thinks this. The judges think that. It's like being a good UFC card or a good boxing card where you think, oh, it's all going to come down to the judges and that'll be... No. Everything they do means something. Everything they do means... Simple wrestling. It really is. They don't do... I mean, Steamboat will do the high cross body and the top the top rope chop. And Flair will get thrown off the top rope. Yeah. But that's as far as it goes. It's hold, it's counter hold, it's chops, it's punches. It feels unlike a lot of far, far be it for me to disparage wrestling today. Unlike a lot of wrestling today, it feels like two blokes trying to win a fight respectfully. Yeah. But they are trying to pin the other guy's shoulders to the mat for a three count. They're not thinking, oh, this will be a good sequence. Go, 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 go. Everything from I'm going to stand up and it's going to look like you've kicked my ass. This one I like, like I said, because of the judges. I think it's different from the two out of three falls. I think it's different from their first match. Yeah. And the fact they were able to do that on three consecutive big shows, have three different... 
different types of match. Especially Flair, who has the reputation and a not unearned reputation of having the same sort of thing every every match. Well, we saw a bit of that in the early things where you faced the big guys. Yeah. And the matches were very similar. Of course. And this is like... Pulls away from that completely. Cause... Yeah. Because even if he does the same spots, you know, you're going to get the flare flop. You're going to get the throwing off the top rope. You're going to get... Certain things are going to happen. But they are presented in a totally different way to the last three matches. And this crowd are into everything. This crowd are expecting it to go the hour, I think. When I first started watching, I was like, this is going long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've actually watched this match a couple of times now. And I went back because I spotted a spot that I really loved. Now, if I say drop down to you, what's the next part of that? Drop down, uh, jump out, go over. Yeah. And then move, yeah? Come back, leapfrog possibly. So drop down, leapfrog, move. Yeah. Yeah, Flair does a drop down followed by a hip toss. No leapfrog. Yeah. And it shows an urgency almost. Yeah. That, and that's one of the things from this match is I gotta I have to win quick. Yeah. Because if this goes long, he'll beat me again. Yeah. And I loved it. I was like, that's it's a little thing, but it made me go go back and watch it again. I was like, he he didn't do the leapfrog, he just did the hip toss straight away. And yeah. then went for a pin, and like, it's like yeah, it, that's amazing. And, and that's the effect of the judges. Yeah, these judges are watching. I have to be on top at all times. Yeah, I have to be winning at all times. I have to pour it on. I have to, as I say, every live show we go, we go on to, every live show we go on to, I wait to alone the crowd and then yell, "Stay on him!" And that's exactly what this what this match is. <laughs> There's no showboating. There's no look how good I am. It's no go, go, go. Steamboat selling is amazing. Yeah. To the point where he flops into the crowd and the crowd are trying to help him up. Yeah. There's a woman who gets out of her seat and comes to try and help him up. Yeah, it's brilliant. And he's like being dead weight just to like, I've, I've got to do this a bit longer, love. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. I, I would get up, but no. I mean, again, I've done that. I've done that at a live show because I wanted the guy to get off my feet. But, but uh, this was done out of pure... Come on, Ricky, you're the world champ. Come on, I'll help you. Yeah. Well, you see, with little kids at live shows, generally, like, they'll go... The... Are you comparing me to a small child, Dave? No, I'm comparing this woman to a small child. The actual kind of, like, he's hurt, I've got help. Yeah. Like... It, it's emotion. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It is. This match, this this third match, because it's so frantic, because it is, I am, I've got to win. I have to impress these judges. It's... It's a great match. I I wish there were enough. There's enough flowery language for me to talk to you about how much I love all three of these matches because I'm pretty sure the last three shows have just been me going Steamboat versus Flair. Wow. <laughs> well, you know what? Steamboat versus Flair. When we come to the match of the night, what was it? Oh, uh, yeah, was yeah, 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 yeah. I'm afraid you, there might be a spoiler there. But um, I mean, damn, how do you how do you do this and then say, oh, we have better ones? Like you've got points in this though as well. Steamboat working technical rather than striking. Yeah, where he's working the arms because he's got the chicken wing. Yeah, they, which they established in the last yeah. match. It's a story. I mean, this is to me. This is why people say Flair is one of the best ever. 
because a lot of the time, a lot of the time, he does have his routine. You know, and he doesn't adapt as much as possibly he could or should. But when it comes to people like Steamboat, hmm. he knows he can go. He just goes out and does it. You see this a lot with Flair with certain people. Uh, Steamboat with Savage as well. Yep, he was good with Savage. He was good with Savage. And, of course, his retirement match against Michaels. Yep. And it's... Uh, it's his retirement people. match, but not his last match, which <laughs> no. is apparently coming up. But you do... It's certain people who he has that chemistry with. And yeah. And I'm not... Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Flair's routine is like oh, lazy or anything like that. It's just he knows it'll get a reaction. And he knows it's safe. And he knows he can do it. No matter who he's in the ring with. There's the old saying, Ric Flair can have a match with a broom. He probably could. But on a night like this, with an opponent like this, it's magic. It really is. So, should we get to the end of the match? Yeah, because I, mean, I, I, I could sit here and tell you segments and spots and things like that. I don't want to do that. I'm telling you, go and watch this match. Yes. Go and watch all three of these matches. Doesn't matter about anything else on the cards, I think, we've reviewed. Yeah, exactly. There are good matches, like the Muta stuff's good. Yeah. But these three matches, you can probably find them separated Yeah. easily enough and just watch them. But go and buy yourself the Ric Flair DVD, they're on there. If that's still available. If that's still available, I bet you'll find it on some sort of online auction site. Yeah, true. So, yeah, Flair wins with a roll-up. Yep, simple, effective. And... After they stand up, the first thing Ricky Steamboat does is shakes Flair's hand. Because Ricky Steamboat is the consummate babyface. Yeah. He knows Flair's a babyface at this point. Flair, I won't say didn't cheat at all in the match. No, but it's more more because of the urgency. Yeah, it wasn't. It's it's desperation rather than, ha ha ha, look what I can do. Yeah, it was bending the rules rather than breaking them. Yeah, it's, it's it's the Bret Hart method. I'll bend the rules, but I'll never quite break them. And Flair gets the belt. Ricky Steamboat leaves the ring. Yep. You got to give JR comes in. Yeah. For a post-match interview. And because of the way this this show has been laid out, because usually when this happens, I scream, "Oh, this is an angle!" Immediately, yeah. I'm like, "Oh, here comes an angle." I didn't see that here. I was like, "Oh, this is going to do a post post-match interview." All right, cool. Let's see. Let's hear from Flair. And to be, and to be fair. Uh, you know, he wasn't breathing heavy. He wasn't doing what sometimes. Sometimes after a big match, some poor schmuck will be there, like, <gasps> and they're like, "Can you give us some detail?" <laughs> Calm down. I've noticed that um, at the live shows with some of the American guys when they come over and they'll get to the end of the match and they're like, <gasps> "Yeah," and it's just kind of like, "Oh, it's great to be here. Oh, come back." And it's just kind of, like, "Do you really have to?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Flair does the interview and is interrupted. Yeah, by one of the judges. By one of the judges. Who comes in to say, well done. I was yeah. going to vote for you. You're great. Yeah. And then he casually mentions that, you know, I, I'd like to challenge you. And Flair says, well, you, 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 can't, you can't challenge me. We have a, we have a ranking system. You know, uh, you know, we've ordered all the respects in the world. Like, we've got a ranking system. I have to face who the, who the next top guy is. And um, the judge, one Terence Funk. Indeed. You know, takes that in his stride and says, "Oh, I wasn't. I wasn't really gonna. Uh, you know, I was just joking around. I wasn't really. The, you know, you're a champion. I wasn't really the challenger. It's, it's fine. It's no problem. 
I just want to shake you by the hand and say you're a fine champion. And Ric Flair sticks his hand out. And Terry Funk goes insane. The left punch is left-handed Funk and yeah. knocks him down and then just mauls him, essentially. Yeah, it's, 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 as though, it's as though a switch just goes off in Terry's head. And does again he's one of his nicknames is middle aged and crazy. I buy that yeah, this this pissed off this pissed off Terry Funkin off. He's just gonna kill this man. Yeah, I I was there like he's so kind of believable as yeah, he's he's one of the most believable wrestlers ever, in my mind. Like, you know, he just he knows how to turn it on. Hmm. Go. And it just goes from I am kindly old Uncle Terry who's here to see that law and order is maintained and I was a commentator on the last show and now you've now you've awakened the demon you've pissed me off and I'm going to destroy you and he beats he beats Flair up and then they they go to the outside and there's a pile driver and there is a pile driver on not through but on a table yeah on the judges table now to describe the judges table most people have been to a buffet at a family member's house where they've borrowed a table from somewhere or at a rec centre or something similar yeah. where they've got the borrowed table. It's one of those tables. It's a, it's a, a Japanese table, for, a, for for want of a, better, of a better term. It's a real table. Yeah, it does not break. Well, there seems to be a dent in it afterwards. Yeah, because I'm... Pr- to be fair... Two grown men hitting it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, uh, look at you, look at him now. He thinks he's better than me. Yeah. Calls him a banana nose. Call... You horse-faced banana nose. Yeah. He, he, he pushes, pulls the table down on him. Flair at this point is clutching his neck on the outside. Jim Ross is going crazy trying to trying to call this. There is a brutal-looking tear shot that, like I. You'd vote. It's, it's buyable. There are, there's certain things where you can go, okay, I know it's a work, but damn. like you, I can tell you didn't hit him, but that's because I know what I'm looking for. And Funk just goes off on one. And effortless, effortlessly just goes from some, no, like, not a nobody, because he's a former world champion. He's, he's always been presented as Heck, he was presented as retired. And How many now, times has Terry Funk retired? I, if I counted them, I'd, I'd die before I finished. He's, But he's presented as retired. You know, last show, he was presented as, I have retired. I'm, I'm glad I'm retired because I want to feel these chops. That's what he was saying when um, when Flair was chopping Steamboat in the, in the match he was commentating on. And he's just gone insane. And your new world champion, it looks like Funk just broke his neck. Yeah. It's one of the best angles I've ever seen. And it's all on Funk. It's all on Funk. Because Flair does very little. All Flair has to do is lie there and All sell. Flair <laughs> has to do is go, ah. You know, there's no brave fight back from Flair. The, there is one problem. The, there is one thing that is a slight problem with it. Where are your baby faces? You can't have them come out, I know. But I think it would have been great if you had, like, I don't know, Steamboat limp back out after, you know, just being beaten and just have Funk 
swinging the chair at him. Yeah, and... just at the end of the thing. Yeah, because you don't because you don't want him to hit Steamboat because that starts with Steamboat. What you want him to do is it's obvious that the angle is now Flair Funk. Yeah, it's obvious that's that's the World Championship angle from now on. But where's where's people coming to to Flair's aid and being like, oh god. But I suppose if you'd have done that, then the angle would have been funk against whoever this was. But wow, what an angle. After that, there's a lot of talking about it, re-showing it. Yep. And then we go on to the next match. Well, before we get to the next match, Dave, I have oh. a question for you. Go on. I've just waxed lyrical about the trilogy. Three of the best matches I've ever seen. First of all, do you agree... Yes. And second of all, okay, Dave, pick one. Which is your favourite? It's a tough, tough call. And really, really, oh, man. Put me on the spot here. Yep. I'm going to go with the first one. I think the first one did it for me. Fair enough. I'm I'm more of a fan of the second. Yeah. I, love the, I, lo- I always love two out of three falls matches that feel different with every fall. Yeah. And that did, and plus I'm always I'm always a sucker for the baby face with the big baby face win. But in terms of execution, actually, I think this one's probably the best one out of like oh this sits me also. Yeah, you know, because as much as I could have sat and watched like three more of those matches, sooner or later your top match can't be the same match. And I think this was a superb job of this chapter is over. The next chapter has now begun. Now we can move on to the next match. Now on to the next match. We have the Varsity Club. Dr. Death, Steve Williams and Mike Rotunda versus the Road Warriors. Okay. This is for the World Tag Team titles. The Varsity Club have come out with cheerleaders. I don't get it. They're heels. They're from the university cheerleaders, clearly. Yeah. But like, why, why are your cheerleaders... Help, like, on the side of the bad guys. Because anybody will do anything for money. Yeah. Mike Rotunda seems to be quite enjoying the fact that he's got cheerleaders. Dr. Death looks a bit uncomfortable <laughs> by the fact as well. Yeah, they are They are quite young. It is a genuine cheerleader group. Yeah. Uh, we have a special guest referee for this match. He had an interview earlier that I've missed out on. Oh, uh, well. This is a man who's going to call it right down the middle. He's been away for a while. It's Nikita. Good. I, I like Nikita. I'm glad to see him back. He's not going to take anything off either of these guys. He's worked with them all before. He's tough. He's fought them all before, I believe. Yeah. What I mean by worked with them. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, this was. A, I love these. I love the idea of these matches, though. These these were like these were standby matches, pretty much, because he's yeah. better gone another hour. Like the last show where they put the most dark matches. Yeah. This one had the potential of it going, but yeah, we get the actual matches. It's just a smash. It's, it's a Road Warriors match. It's a yeah. wild brawl. It's a wild brawl. Hawk hits the post with a clothesline instead of his opponent. They start working on his arm. He gets the hot tag to Animal. All four men come in the ring. Now it's Kevin Sullivan was at ringside at the beginning, but Nikita threw him out. Immediately. Immediately. Sullivan comes back out with the newest member of the Varsity Club, Dan Spivey. Yeah. And they beat up Nikita. 
I understand that Dan Spivey was a was a college wrestler. Yeah, but I don't see it. I don't see him fitting the gimmick. Does Kevin Sullivan fit the gimmick though? True. Dan Spivey fits with Kevin Sullivan. Lovely. Oh, yeah, he looks yeah. like he belongs with Kevin. He doesn't Sullivan. fit with the two athletic-looking guys. They're in singlets. Going. Yeah, it's very strange. Yeah. Um, they have a big fight. Nikita gets attacked, disqualifies the Varsity Club. The fight continues. Yeah, it's it's pretty much a it's a it's the total opposite of what you just had. Yeah, it's perfect. It doesn't last long. So the Road Warriors win the match, but not the titles. Yeah, but there's more on that in a bit. <laughs> so we now have a second match. We have the Varsity Club. This time, Kevin Sullivan and Dan Spivey versus the first family for the US tag titles. And this is Rick Steiner and Hot Stuff Eddie Gilbert with Missy Hyatt. I was going to say, when did Brett, uh, when did um, Jimmy Hart get here? <laughs> the first family, that's Jimmy Hart, that is. So, the Varsity Club come out. There was meant to be a hair versus hair stipulation. Which this, they get rid of immediately. Like, yeah, it was mentioned earlier in the show and it gave me a bit of a giggle. Because they say the personal problems between Gilbert and Sullivan are going to have to be solved another time. Gilbert and Sullivan. I was like, that. I am the very model of a. <laughs> yeah, and that's what came into my head through straight away. I was like, the Pirates of Penzance is going to have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid. But so, yeah, the hair versus hair thing isn't in there. It's just for the titles because the NWA board are not interested in personal feuds. They should. It draws them money. Yeah. So we have the fight breaking out before the match and Rick Steiner gets injured. Yeah. So Rick Steiner is essentially out of this match. Yeah, he was, from my understanding, he was injured beforehand. Yeah. I don't have much to say about this match. It's very, it's just a typical... One baby face yeah, trying yeah. to hold the team together yeah, match. Yeah, it's typical. Like It's basically a handicap match. And to be honest, I'm kind of getting bored of the Varsity Club. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's 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 been done. I'm I'm not. It's they're not so much got, board of the varsity club of board of the varsity club working with Rick Steiner in some way. Yeah, that's it. It's it's the same feudish all yeah. the way through. I mean, hot stuff Eddie Gilbert. Fair enough. Mm. Hasn't really shown me all that yet. No. To me, he should be a heel. He's not a heel. But... Always nice to see Missy. Yeah, of course. Kevin Sullivan does the typical thing of going after Missy. Yeah, the dirty old perv. <laughs> he's gone after everyone he's been in the match with. Yeah, oh, that, that's after the match. I've, man, I've jumped ahead in my notes a little bit. Um, Sullivan goes for a pile driver, but gets the Steiner line from Rick. And Gilbert. Right. Steiner line, baby. And Gilbert flows over into a pin. One, two, three. So they retain their titles. Not a bad, not bad, but the problem is you hit your peak two matches ago. Yeah. Well, we need to talk about what happened because of the attack on the referee of the previous match. Yes. Even though it was a special guest referee, you still can't go attacking referees. So Mike Rotunda and Dr. Death have been stripped of their titles. Yeah. And those titles will be decided at a later date. It's the US Tag Team titles. That's the, the world, world tag team. The titles. world tag team titles. Yeah. This was the US tag team titles. Steiner and Gilbert are the world US tag titles champions. Oh yes, because this is where they re- retire the US tag team titles <laughs> for a while. <laughs> yes, it do, they do come back, but this is the last appearance of them for a while. 
Yeah. We then. That's why I got confused when you were like, "Yes, they do." Yeah. We then have a wrapping up of the show by Jim and Bob. Yeah. And they recap what Terry Funk did to Ric Flair. They show it again. They show well. They show they should. It's it's a and it. Looks just as brutal. Yeah. Uh, Usually I'm like, oh God, stop re-showing the same stuff over and over again. This is great. This is a really, really fun. So this show has a good match on it that really makes it worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, like it's, it's problematic that this happened again. You have a terrible, terrible, it's not even terrible. Like matches I enjoyed. I enjoy seeing Muta. Yeah. Like not a great match. No. Then the dudes, forget <laughs> that. I mean, it's fun to see them because you they're a legendarily bad gimmick, the the skaters that can't skate. You have, we've just talked about it all, and I can't remember half this card. Sting versus Sheik. Sting versus Sheik, I, transparently what you were trying to do, pretty pointless. And to my, from my understanding, they were paying Sheik like 150 grand a year. And he ended up sitting at home for... Two years was it? Yeah, they, they, they paid him. They they literally hired him. Realized he couldn't work, so so tried to job him off. Tried to like put him on TV to do losses, so he would get mad and leave. But he was happy doing the losses. But they were really bad, so they wouldn't show them. And then when his contract came off at the end of the year, they forgot to not renew it because it just rolled over. So he got another year's pay. This is typical WCW stuff. Yeah. Um. What else do we have? We've... We had the two tag matches at the end, which weren't really necessary. No, you, you've already, to use a sex metaphor, you've already orgasmed. And Ranger Ross versus Butch Reed was the other one. Yeah. Yeah, those, those yeah. They, the rest of the card doesn't really mean anything when you compare it to, I mean, you had Luger versus Hayes. Hayes. And yeah, something big happened there. Your secondary title changed hands. But the matches weren't good matches. No. There is one good match on this, and it's bloody good. And there is one of the best angles I've ever seen, and it's really good. And it makes me excited to see where they're going next. So it's the important thing, but we know where we're heading with at least one of the questions. Yeah. So match of the night. I think I'll go with Ranger. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat 3. Of course, it's Ric Flair versus Ricky Steamboat 3. There's the match of the night for both of us. There's no damn. It's not... And then the second question we always ask, MVP. I'm going to go with Funk. I hate letting you go first because it always goes this way. I'm also going with Funk. Yeah, Funk's just amazing. And For a lesser wrestler, you couldn't have done that that well. It would have just been like, oh, that seems dumb that he's he's that annoyed. You know, oh, you didn't, you didn't shake my hand. You didn't respect me enough. Oh, what a crappy reason to have a match. And now you're just like, Jesus, Funk boat Flair's neck. Oh God, what's going to happen here? And you buy it immediately, and he goes from retired wrestler to oh my God, he's in the world title picture, and I'm like, yes, yes, he is. So we are going to see our next show is Clash of Champions seven. I think it's seven. Yeah, yeah. Guts and Glory. Guts and Glory. That's an interesting name. Yes, oh, I, have, I look forward to it. So I've been Paul Barrow. I've been Dave Evans, and we'll see you next time.